0: Hi, I'm Pastor Dallas Billington, senior pastor here at City Church, and we want to welcome you today to our services. We hope that no matter what you're facing in life, that through the message today, through God's word, he will truly encourage your heart. All right. Well, good morning again, everybody.
1: Hey, we are, uh, we're obviously going to sing and talk about the ocean blue today, and uh, everything is in watercolors. If it comes up, great. If not, no worries. We have, uh, I'll be reading and sharing. It'll all be good, so no worries about that. We're glad you're with us this morning. We're going to talk today about unity in the family of God in a world dividing. So when you look back, just, (laughs) let's just go back over the past couple years, just the past couple years. Do you? You can't help but see the world continues to divide more and more. They tried to divide us by race. Do you know what color skin God sees? It's all the same. It's all the same. Um, They try to divide us with uh, our families. They've tried to divide us even with medical reasons, they've tried to divide us politically. It's important to know sometimes what you're up against. And you have to understand that some of the division that we see in the society today and in the world as a whole, it's not by accident. There's a purpose behind it. And so you have to be aware of that. You know, um, not to turn there, but In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus is talking to his disciples about the end of times. And they're asking him questions about it. And one of the many things that Jesus talked about that we will see in the last days, Matthew 24, 10 says, and then many will be offended. Have you ever seen a time where people are more offended than now over anything? And then sometimes, even if you're just expressing your opinion, that's all you're saying, I'm just expressing my opinion, I've seen people being called racist because their opinion is not what that other person wanted to hear. And then many will be offended. Jesus says they will betray one another, they'll betray one another. We're starting to see that. You know, I hated it last year when I heard that some of our areas, they were telling you for Thanksgiving and Christmas that you can't have more family together than a dozen people or so in our area right here for to celebrate the holidays together. And, you know, they went further. They said, if you see your neighbor and they have 14 people, you better call somebody. And I'm like, what? If I wanna be with my family during the holidays and we've been seeing each other all along or we're comfortable with the risk associated with it, then I wanna hug and be with my family and I don't expect my neighbor to call me into the police. That's division. That's what the world wants to do and we're going to see more and more of it. The last part of that verse says, they will betray one another and they will hate one another. Man, I hate that. I hate that (laughs) they're gonna hate each other (laughs) more and more. What's it mean for us as a family of believers in God? What do we do How do we approach it? Church family, those tuning in today, and when I say church family, I am talking about believers in God. We need to be more united than we've ever been. And we're gonna talk about that today. So if you would, turn in your Bibles to John chapter 17. John chapter 17. And if you would... uh, If you don't have your Bibles with you, you can look up here and see that it's not there, but I'm going to read it, okay? So it's no big deal. We'll get through that. Let's pray this morning. Our gracious heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you. Lord, thanks for telling us in your word that one day divisions are even going to get worse than what we've seen throughout history so that we know it doesn't catch you by surprise because you already told us about it. And Lord, today we're going to dig into your word and I pray that through the power of the Holy Spirit, you will encourage us all, help us to see things the way you want us to see them. Lord, that we can have a difference and experience what you want us to experience in the unity of Jesus Christ. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, John chapter 17, starting at verse 20. And I want to give you some background into this before we read these few verses. Okay, so what's taking place when we get to this passage is the Last Supper has happened. Okay, so the Last Supper, it's a good moment. If you're a disciple of Jesus, you're thinking, hey, we're getting together. Um, Hopefully, the neighbors aren't calling because there was maybe more than 12 there. We don't know. (laughs) But they're getting together. They're having food. And they're sitting together. And they're just fellowshipping with each other. It's a beautiful thing. When you do that with your family, with your friends, and you get a moment just to catch up and be together... Those are precious times. So the Last Supper has taken place. Now, it's important to know that Jesus knew, but the disciples didn't know that this was the Last Supper. He was telling them, I'm leaving, but they didn't quite understand that yet. So keep that in mind. The Last Supper has taken place. Of the 12 disciples, it's already been determined that one of them would betray Jesus, and that would be Judas. And Jesus basically said, whoever dips their bread with me is the one that's going to betray me. And Judas left, and Jesus said to him, whatever you go to do, do it quickly. So this has already taken place, but here's the other 11 disciples. They're just kind of clueless about it. They don't really, it's not registering what's going on. And Jesus continues to take these last hours on Thursday, and he continues to pour into their lives. And if you look in your Bibles, if you have them with you today, the beginning of chapter 17, Jesus starts it out by praying for himself. You know, we sing that song, um, Don't Let Your Heart Be Troubled, which is actually taken from John chapter 14. And Jesus, in the midst of the trouble, That's coming his way because he says, Father, I know my time is coming. And it says that Jesus lifted up his eyes to heaven when he was praying. So the first part of John 17, he's praying for himself because he knows what he's going to face. And then in the next part, starting at verse 6, Jesus then specifically prays for his chosen 12 disciples. And he begins to pray over them. And then that's where we pick it up at verse 20. And this is where Jesus is praying for all believers. This is where Jesus is praying for you and for me. Verse 20. In Jesus' words, he says, I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. In other words, Father, I'm not praying for just the 12, the 11 disciples that are with me or whoever even else might have been with them at that time. I'm praying for everybody that's going to believe in me. And let me paint just a little bit more picture to this. From these verses here, Jesus and his disciples, they walk into the Garden of Gethsemane right after this prayer, right after this prayer. And this is where Jesus is arrested, the Son of God. He's arrested, and it says that he was bound. And they probably didn't put the, uh, the handcuffs on too lightly they bound up our Savior and took him away. That's what's happening after this. So picture this moment. I don't want you to miss this. This is Jesus' last prayer that you and I would say was peaceful. It's before everything that the disciples had spent time with Jesus before, their world just becomes unraveled. This is the last peaceful prayer moment. Think about that. This is how important what Jesus' words are to us. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one. As you, Father, are in me, and I in you, and they also may be one in us. That the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them that they may be one just as we are one. I in them, you in me, that they may be made perfect in one. And that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you loved me. This is Jesus' last peaceful prayer, his last moments, and these things are so important because he knew how hard it would be to be unified. He knew that the moment the guards came in and the religious leaders and they arrested him and they took him away, and he said to the guards, he said, I'm the one you're looking for, let my... Let my people basically go. Let them be free. And it says in the later text that John went on into the court with him. Peter stood at the gate. And we know that Peter denied that he even knew Christ. Division came. The chosen, the chosen, they walked with Jesus. They saw all the things that he did. And now they're divided. He knew what was coming. And it was so important that they realize how important it was to be one. That message is so true. And when he says, I'm not praying for just the disciples, I'm praying for all of you. I'm praying for all believers that you'll be united as one. Folks, when the world gets crazier... When things happen that you can't even believe are happening, and when we begin to experience the world not only not tolerating us, not liking us, and in some ways possibly hating us, we need to be united. It's so important. Picking up at verse 23. He says, I and them, you and me, that they may be made perfect in one. Being at unity, it's not always easy. It's not easy <laughs> at all sometimes. The church is no different. When, when you pull together with your family, and everybody's different, but when it gets on a large scale and you pull together with your family, how many, don't raise your hand, (laughs) just think, how many of you are like, "Mm, that person's starting to get on my nerves. (laughs) I, I hear them talking about all this, and I don't see things that way, and they're getting on my nerves. And you can even pull together with some of your very best friends that you have in life, and after you spend a little bit too much time with them, Even our best friends start to get under our skin occasionally. So, Jesus is telling us unity is important. It's not easy because we all have, you know what Pastor Dallas says sometimes and I like it, he'll say, hey, look at the person beside you and say, hi, I've got issues. (laughs) He hasn't done that for a while. We all have issues. We all have problems. We all have things that are different about us, don't we? But he said, when you experience unity in me, it's perfect. It's perfect. doesn't mean we won't have challenges with each other. Let's read a little bit about that. Turn, if you would, if you have your Bibles, to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. So Jesus took the time, his last peaceful prayer, and he was praying for all of us that we might be unified. Paul later talks about the importance of this further, and I want to read Ephesians chapter 4, 1 through 6. This is Paul speaking. I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness and long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Paul takes the same things, and he's basically saying it was so important to Jesus that he said, "Be be at peace with one another." And he says, uh, he goes, "With lowliness, arrogance doesn't usually work in unity." Humbleness works in unity. Lowliness, gentleness. Do you know what I dislike from social media times, Well, I don't like the fact that they censor different opinions now. You're not entitled to certain opinions. I hate that. But I also hate when I see someone who does have a difference of opinion and it becomes a shouting match. And I see people yelling at each other. That's not how we make our point. It's not how we get across to anybody. It says, with gentleness and long suffering. (laughs) So, unity in Christ, even within the body of Christ, yeah, we're going to suffer sometimes getting along with each other. Oh, that's encouraging. (laughs) Well, we all have issues. We all got problems. We all have differences. We all have differences. You know if you think about it in a sports situation, and uh, um, my niece is here and she coaches girls basketball, and when you are playing a sport, or if you're coaching, and you have your team, everybody is gifted with different skills. Somebody, Somebody of your players, they're gonna be the best defensive player on your team. And then somebody else, they're going to be the best ball handler, and someone else might be the best shot. Together, in unison and in unity, listening to their coach, they can accomplish things and they can win. And sometimes we don't understand that. You know, I think back in I remember once somebody said when we were playing basketball, why does he always dribble to the left? I'm always open over here and he never looks at me. And I go, he's left-handed. That's how God made him. And he goes to the left because I can't. See how that works? Unity in Christ requires that when we are long-suffering with each other, that we look at our differences and we respect those differences and we realize that God made us different and that we all have a place in God's family. So important, so important. Let's read on. Endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace, there is one body... And one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Church family, believers in Christ, we have differences. A couple... Friends of ours, brothers here and sisters in church that attend here regularly, they were sick for a while and they couldn't come. And just in passing, a couple of weeks ago, one of them said, while well, they were right up here with me at the end of the service and they said, they couldn't be here for a while and they said, it's good to be back with like-minded people. It's good to be back with like-minded people. What Jesus is telling us, what Paul is telling us here to be, to have the unity in Christ that God wants us to have, is we're not going to agree on every little thing. We're not going to like the same things. We're going to leave here and we're going to turn on 50 different songs on our way home of all different types because we like different music. We're going to go eat lunch of different foods because we like different foods. And we're going to approach life very differently. But the Lord wants us to have unity on what matters on what matters there's a show and I'm sorry it's, it's kind of lame and obnoxious but I love the show Deadliest Catch where they're fishing in the Bering Sea and they're catching the king crab and I was watching the end of the season here recently and the one captain of the ship they're in a rough seas one of their main pieces of equipment failed, the motor went out in it and uh the ice is starting to creep down. The guys are working so hard and they can't keep up. And he sees another ship is a few miles away. And they're hundreds of miles away from getting another motor. So he calls the other ship and he says, hey, he goes he this, this motor's out. By chance, do you have it? <laughs> and he goes, yeah, I got it. He goes, come get it. So they... Take the ship over there. As he hung up from him, this was his words in passing. He goes, hmm, we're not always friends in town. But out here, we're brothers. Out here, we're brothers. Folks, remember, if Jesus foretold that the world is going to try to separate you and divide you, that you have to realize what's the most important thing, and that is believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he loved you so much that he died for you. If you were the only one, he'd die for you, and he poured out his perfect blood, and if we accept him as our Savior and ask him to come into our heart, we're told the Holy Spirit then enters us and we have the hope of eternity. That is our foundations. That's what we build upon. That's where we have like minds. And that's what we need to focus on for unity. If you would turn to uh, one last passage. Second Timothy. Chapter 2. Verses 24 through 26. Before we read this. You know what sometimes we do as believers in the family of God? (laughs) And I'm guilty of it too. So I I don't want to stand up here and point a finger at you. I've done this before in my life and I'm ashamed of it. I'm sorry. Is when someone, another believer in Christ doesn't believe everything exactly the way we do, we're kind of like, oh, you know, they, they go to, you know, sinner's church over there we don't really associate with them anymore, you know? And we alienate each other. You know, do you know why there's so many denominations? Because the devil wants there to be. That's why we need to go back to the foundations that really matter. And we need to have unity with that. And sometimes when we don't agree with someone with every single thing, we kind of push them off to the side. And as Christians, it's more important than ever that we are loving and accepting of other believers. There's a story. This goes back um, in the uh, olden times of the Navy where there is nothing but the great sail ships. There's no motors. And at this time, there is a maritime marine who later, after his military career is over, he's talking to a pastor about his history on the seas and in war. And a Marine on a on a Navy ship back then would often have responsibilities on the ship, but they were a Marine because once they landed or came into port, it was their job to go do battle. So he's talking to the pastor and he says, Boy, he goes, there's this one battle. He goes, By far, by far it was the worst thing in all my years of service. And he said, one night, in the midst of the darkness of night, and he didn't go into great detail, but in order for this to take place, I have to picture it being something like this. It was probably a night where there's no moon, cloudy. The waves were probably tossing the ships around. And he said, we came upon another ship, And we began to battle each other. And they're shooting back and forth, and they're firing, and men are screaming, and people are being injured, and the ships are being damaged. And as dawn breaks, and the sun comes up, and they look at their flags, they see that they're both from the Royal English Navy. And when they realized that, they see their brothers, some have been wounded and hurt, and their ships are in disarray, It said that they, they paused, they saluted one another, and they wept, and they wept. Church, family, know who you're battling and let's not battle each other if you call upon the name of Jesus i'm with you and that's how we need to look at each other it's so important one last verse second timothy chapter 2 verses 24 through 26 This is more direction for us. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. When I read that to you, some of you go, I'm not very good at teaching. Always remember this. When we are talking about the things of the Lord... You're just sharing your life. You're just sharing your testimony. You're just sharing what God's done for you. Have you ever taken the time? Most of us in here at one point or another, whether it's your own child, grandchild, a nephew, a niece, a friend, you've taught somebody how to tie their shoes when they're little, right? You've taught someone to know that that, fo- that stove is hot. You've taught someone how to ride a bike, teaching someone just requires just sharing life's experiences sharing the hope of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ teaching teaching in humility correcting those in humility correcting those who are in opposition we're not, we're not always going to agree with everybody on the points that really matter on the points that matter for eternity, those are the points that you, it's good to be firm and say, I don't see it like that. Let me share with you why. It's because God's word tells me there's only one way to heaven and that's through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and that there's only one God Almighty and that's God the Father. And I want you to see that. Again, We're going to have differences of opinions, but those are the things that matter. And the reason that we do that in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, it says, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Let me read this real quick just in the New Living Translation. I love this, the way they wrote it in here. It's translated. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach, be patient with difficult people, (laughs) gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. Church, when we, praise team, you can come on up here. When we have that moment when we accept the Lord Jesus as our Savior, and the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit enters us, do you know what that means? It means you can't be possessed by a devil because Jesus' Holy Spirit's living in you. It's no longer an option. But the devil, if the Holy Spirit's not living in you, he can influence everything that's said and done. And whether they even realize it or not, the devil's using them for his work all the time. That's where that song says, uh, I saw the light. Have you seen some things in society today and you'll be like, how could they see things that way? I don't even understand. It doesn't even make common sense anymore that they're doing that. You know what? They're blind. Satan's blinded their eyes, and how might we change that? We don't do anything other than just be willing, and we say, Lord, through the Holy Spirit. Help me to love them. Help me to love them. Give me the words to gently tell them the truth. And maybe, Lord, they'll find you. And when they find you, they find eternity in heaven. And they're now part of the family of God. That's it. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. Church, sometimes if today during this message, maybe you thought of someone within God's family. And you're like, well, I've said before I don't like that person. I want, you to, I want you to think about that, and I want you to, and I know it's easy, but I want you to repent of it, and I want you to say, Lord, I'm sorry. You know, I believe family blood ties are powerful, they're important, and they're beautiful, but I believe even more that when we come before the Lord and we are cleansed in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We say, Forgive me of my sins, save my soul. And that is even more. That's more. Let's stand, if we would. We're gonna, ladies are gonna sing this song. And uh, before we leave, for those that are watching online, today, if The Lord convicted you about just not being unified with other believers. Pray about that. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. And it doesn't mean you're always going to see things in likeness. But we need to be unified in the body of Christ more than we've ever been. We have to be. And you're going to have to work at it. And if I said these words today and we shared some of the scriptures. And you don't know what the unity of Christ is because you've never accepted Him as your Savior, then I pray that you'll do that today. Pray that simple prayer. If you would like me to pray with you today, if you want to come accept the Lord Jesus as your Savior, you don't know for sure you've ever prayed that, I would love to allow you to be part of the believers that Jesus was praying for that last prayer of peace. Or if you just say, Lord, Pastor Men, I need some help. I'm mad with some of my brothers and sisters in Christ. Maybe my own family. Maybe I'm not unified with my wife. I'm not unified with my husband, my children, my parents. Please come forward this time. I'd love to
0: pray. with you. I hope Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, has spoke to you today through his word you no matter what you go through, no matter what you face in life, I want you to know that through the one, Jesus Christ, through his death on the cross of Calvary, he shed his perfect blood for you and for me. And if you pray right now and ask Jesus into your heart, the message that you heard today, why God is speaking to you, I want you to know that you can have hope. And all you have to do is pray with me right now. Don't try and figure it out. The Lord says, by faith, We accept Jesus as our savior and you'll have hope for eternity. You say, Dallas, will you help me? What do I have to do? Well, let me share with you a verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If you're willing to believe that God sent his son to die on a cross for you, Just pray this prayer with me right now. And you can have heaven as your home. Jesus will forgive you for anything you've done in this life. And you can have hope from this day forward. Pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, forgive me a sinner. I believe that you're God's son. And you came and lived a perfect life. And you died on the cross. And you shed your perfect blood for all of my sin. And right now, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart to forgive me for all of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And from this day forward, help me to live by your resurrection power. In Jesus' name. If you've prayed that prayer,